With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Jody Mullen. Welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. This series of podcasts is dedicated to helping parents and other people who are connected with children help children behave and be their best. Um, I'm in a unique position to share this with you because I've been a child counselor and a play therapist for over 25 years. I'm also a mom. I've learned many of the lessons about children by children, my own and my child clients. And then this has informed my parenting as well as parent coaching and consulting that I do as part of my clinical practice. I recognize in working with thousands of children and parents that there are simple principles for parenting, and we'll cover those parenting principles, but today we're really going to focus on the parent, (laughs) um, which is a little bit uh, different, but uh, definitely deserved and overdue. So um, we hope that you'll uh, get, you know, get a lot out of today's, um, out of today's podcast. So um, what my guest today is my friend, uh, Penny Lupo, who is also a licensed mental health counselor and a play therapist and a mom. Uh, those are things we have in common. And we're going to focus really today on the challenges that are presented um, when fertility problems come up and how that affects parenting um, and you as a parent. So um, Penny's going to be our expert on that, and we're going to be able to share those stories with you. For more on parenting, check out um, my new book that was inspired by the children um, that I work with in conversations that um, happened through this podcast, aptly titled Raising Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. You can also find additional resources for parents and professionals at www.integrativecounseling.us. All right. So, um, Penny, thank you for doing this. I'm so excited to be talking to you about this because, as we both know, um, mostly because of our, of our roles as clinicians and um, mental health counselors, is that when we're working um, with adults and uh, they're dealing with the challenges of fertility issues, um, that they feel really alone and isolated. So I'm so happy you uh, wanted to do this. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Okay, well, cool. So let's get started, Sally, because we probably have way more than a half an hour worth of things to talk about. So, um, so one of the things um, that, you know, uh, is right here, like in the little bio that we put up is that you're a person who has dealt with this. So could you tell me from your perspective, what that experience is like when you learn that there even may be a problem with fertility? So, yes. So I think for me, initially, it was like, um, I had some issues, you know, the gynecologist said, well, you might have issues down the road, but like at the age of 18, who thinks of that? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Not me. So then um, over time, after we got married and all of that, um, it was sort of a gradual realization, like this isn't funny anymore. This is becoming an issue. This isn't happening. 
And I remember, like, specifically, there was a period of time where, like, it became, like, every month that it didn't happen, it became more and more difficult to, like, understand why. And I started to get more anxious and nervous about, like, is this going to happen? So I think when people find, when couples find this out, it can sometimes, if, if, if it becomes a gradual thing, some people have issues that, make it not a gradual knowledge, right? Like they have some sort of trauma or physical issue. Um, But when it slowly comes up, I think what ends up happening is you start to feel more and more angsty and nervous about it, and then you go to the doctor, and um, it, it, it starts to weigh on you more, and it starts to become almost like something that you think about all the time. It can. Yeah. Not everybody. For me, that's how it was because I always wanted to be a mom. Um, right. And I think that plays into it as well. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I was even thinking as you were just saying that, too, is um, obviously it's different for everybody. You know, absolutely. Um, some people go through this, but there are some things that, um, you know, it, they just kind of make sense for, like, the common ground of this experience is that, you know, um, that even if you knew it beforehand, like you said, when you were younger and not really thinking so much about how it would impact your life as an adult trying to start a family, um, is that uh, it still has like this sort of toll that it takes on you. Absolutely. And I think um, it's one of those things that's so unspoken and so not talked about um and it's not like you can i mean it's not like there's a lot of people out there who really get how that might feel um Mm -hmm. to find out that you might have a problem or that you do have a problem and then the struggle becomes even more isolating at that point because now you're going to the doctor and you know some couples choose not to tell people that they're having trouble And then, you know, the nosy relatives who every time you get together for the holidays ask, when are you two going to have kids? Yeah, um, yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and it's like pouring salt in the wound because you can't, how do you respond to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want one now. Um, it's not working, but you don't really want to tell everybody that because now we're entering shame, right? There's shame right. in that, like, why can't I do this one thing that – you know, depending upon your belief system, there's just so much, so much heaviness to it when, mm-hmm. um, and it's isolating and you don't talk about it. And I think that's what, even in in things that I'm reading more currently, because I did this years ago, um, in right. things that I'm reading more currently, I'm feeling encouraged by the fact that people are starting to acknowledge, like, yes, this is a silent thing that people don't talk about, but it mm-hmm. impacts every day, everything, every minute. Right. So can you tell us um, about, like, what, what um, as people, you know, who we, uh, I guess I'm thinking of this from two angles. One is as somebody who cares about people who are struggling with that in my, you know, with fertility issues in my life. Um, what did you need to hear or how did you need people, how would you have liked people to be um, around that so that you would have felt more supported and um, understood? You know, it's like one of those things, like as a counselor, I know that you'll get this. Um, it's it's kind of like even in the circle of security, just being with somebody, just being there. Um, yeah. I don't think that there was anything anybody could have said to make it feel better. Right. Um, because, oh, and and I want to get Because there's nothing that. you can. <laughs> right. 
Right. Okay. So, um, so I want to get to that because I think that's actually a key point is, um, and something that I know you and I have talked about um, off air is that it is about grief. And so when you think, so when I think about grief, both as a person who's experienced grief, but also as a counselor who works with, you know, grievers from three to, you know, in their seventies and eighties is um, that one of the common things about that is that there isn't the right thing to say to a person. There's definitely the wrong thing to say, (laughs) but there's not the right thing to say because there's nothing you can say that will take that person's grief away. And then, so when you're really saying that, like um, being a person and and then a couple where you're struggling with fertility issues, that this is a, I feel what you're saying that is that this is about grief. Yes. It is about grief. And it's grief on many levels. It's the grief of not being able to do it. So infertility in itself is grief. And it's not grief that like, okay, I lost this thing and it's gone. It's a monthly thing. Like every month you hope and every month if, you know, when, you, when, when you, you're not pregnant, you get the, the letdown. And then every month you mm-hmm. have to get back on the hope cycle because heaven forbid you fall off the hope cycle. You have to stay hopeful no matter what. Right. Because right. what, what, what do people say? Well, if you stay positive and you keep going and you keep trying, it's like running on the treadmill mm-hmm. to lose that extra five pounds. Right. Um, right. But yeah. you don't have control over whether or not it's going to work. Yeah. So it's like it's like a cycle of grief up and down, up and down. Yeah. Then so, there's also yeah. <laughs> the grief if you lose a child, if you get pregnant. So there's a whole bunch mm-hmm. of scenarios here we could go through which we don't have time for but it is a very heavy grief uh, so one of the things i'm thinking about too is like the magnification of that grief and also the roller coaster of the emotionality so um so you're going through fertility um you know uh difficulties then um let's say you um do get pregnant um and then the then there's a miscarriage um then I'm also thinking about then there's this, another layer of loss and another loss that people don't typically acknowledge. Right. So you have, so actually I've heard lots of horror stories in not even in my own story. Um, but one of the things that I think about is, um, So when you have a miscarriage, think about it this way. It's less than 20 weeks. So sometimes, especially if you have an early miscarriage, like if you have one between six and eight weeks, you're not actually showing yet. You're not having, like, maybe you're not having morning sickness. There's all of that. So then when you have a miscarriage and it doesn't work out, you know, there might be, if you've told people, because sometimes people don't before the third trimester or the after the first trimester, right? Right. So if you tell people that you're pregnant, now you have to be almost like, tell them that you're not anymore and like I went to the grocery store once and someone was like oh congratulations I heard the news but by the time they had I had seen them again the news was no longer there so it was like a really awkward thing for both of us (laughs) like oh yeah yeah so um so I feel like yes there's that extra layer of grief there and I look at it this way and I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking like if you like take a bag and you just fill it with rocks so the small rocks might be the monthly roller coaster right or maybe yeah. and then you just keep carrying it and every time it doesn't work the bag gets heavier and heavier and heavier mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and it's almost to the point where you can barely carry it. Right. Yeah. And and and, and, and but you have to go forward. Yeah. And I'm thinking too is like a lot of times you're carrying it on your own or what feels like on your own because of the decisions you make about. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I think about this as um, in, just in my experience as a, like, as a mom and, um, you know, as a pregnant mom was like, well, I can either tell people early and have support if, if things don't work out, or I cannot tell people and not have support uh, and, and, exactly. not, and not ask for it. And, I, and I'm actually even just thinking I had... Um, um, a situation a couple of days ago with somebody who I knew uh, was pregnant and, um, and again, early in their pregnancy and um, we had an interaction and I, I just was sensing something um, when I was talking with her and um, I could, I, I said to her, I, there's, I see something like in your face different. And she said, not pregnant anymore. You know, and I and I thought like how, um, you know, no people don't send you sympathy cards for that or check in on you, and um, you know, and I, just really feeling for her uh, whether or not that was, and I don't know if there was fertility issues prior, um, but just that like adding on, so like that's I think that we don't acknowledge miscarriage um at, <laughs> as, as enough anyway in terms of how what that grief is like for. Uh, anybody involved in the family, but certainly if it comes on the heels of fertility attempts as well. Right. Exactly. And I think that that is one of the things I think post all of the stuff that I knew back in the 90s, I think people are doing more now or they're attempting to do more. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if the medical community has caught up with the grief involved in it because I've heard things that would lead me not to believe that um, right, in terms of right. like, grieving and all of that. But, you know, um, if there's any message that we could send today in this podcast is, is you have a right to grieve what you lost because you lost yeah. something that you thought was there, mm-hmm. you know, and grief is love, right? It's love without yeah. the person being there. So, yeah. You know, I feel like it's important to acknowledge, like, it's okay for you to have those feelings, and no one can take them away from you, and you don't have to be ashamed of feeling sad, and it's real. It's real. If it's one day, it's still real in my mind. Yeah. Because well, I think and, and, that that's where the loneliness comes from, because no one believes mm-hmm. it's not It's not enough. What, like, what's the measure to where you can grieve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, there's oh. a beautiful saying that any um, anyone who's old enough to love is old enough to grieve. And so, um, like, it's not just it's loving the idea, right? Even the idea of becoming a mom or having a child or, you know, like all of those things that you're not just grieving the, the actual physical loss, right? You're also grieving the ideas, you know, and, yep. and the, the fantasies of that. All of the future plans you had in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Child. What? Yeah. So, what else is it? Do you think is like? Um, can you describe some other ways that maybe you're surprised at the time, but aren't now, about how this impacted um, your world as uh, as somebody who really wanted to be a mom? Well, it's interesting. So, I went through um, a lot of different areas of life. Um, 
actually by your suggestion with the wellness <laughs> wheel. And I tried to like, it took me a while to go through it because I was trying to figure out like, where does this, so financial makes sense. Relationships, it's obvious. Unfortunately, the people that you think are going to understand who are like your best friends or who are like family members who you think might understand may not. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a double side to that. So relationships definitely get challenged. There's times, I mean, I lost people in, in the process not because I lost them, but because I choose, chose to distance because, like, the interactions were not helpful for me at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the main thing there is knowing that you have a choice, and I think you said it a little while ago, it's choosing. You have a choice, and I don't feel like, because this other thing doesn't give you a choice, and I don't think I knew that then, but I get it now. Oh, like, there's I a choice it. in how you interact with those relationships. Yeah. Right. You can so, say something. You don't have to be silent yeah. or choose not so, um, to and let, let it go. Yeah. So when you were referencing the wellness wheel, I just I just want to illuminate that for like our listeners is that so like a wellness wheel has all the components of like what keeps us uh, well and like it, it and um, so one part obviously has to do with like financial wellness and that takes a hit during um, the the fertility uh, process too. Yes. Um, so Absolutely. that was one of the things you could say. And then the other one that you said is obvious where it takes a hit is relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we, go ahead, Penny. Oh, no, I, I was just going to agree with you. Go ahead. <laughs> I love when you agree with me. Uh, so, but, but I think, I think like, um, you know, one of the things that's important about that is like, this doesn't just affect a person. Like, um, I, I, I think we may minimize it. Right. Um, and I think yep. we, you know, culturally we minimize things that are painful to us. And so it minim in terms of wellness. Yeah. Um, you're not just, it minute we minimize it by just saying like, it's just like, it's just the loss. Um, but it also impacts, um, you personally uh, with relationships, it impacts you with finances. How else does it like impact um, you if you're looking at that, if we're looking at that bigger wellness picture? Um, So definitely the physical aspects of all of the um, stuff that you have to go through. Um, And it also depends on how long you choose to do this process Mm -hmm. and how far you're willing to go. But um, it's a lot of invasion continuously. Um, I remember going every other day for blood work. Um, driving to Syracuse from Auburn every other day is not 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 that much fun in the winter. Um, <laughs> so there's that piece. There's definitely that piece. Um, the emotional side, that's the roller coaster piece. It's the ups, the downs, the constant, like trying to look normal. But I think the hardest part can some – And I don't mean normal as in like you're normal because who even really knows what that is. But um, it's it's almost like trying to look like there's nothing wrong when there's something seriously wrong, and you can't. You you it's like trying to hold it together every day, and it's um, it can become daunting and exhausting. And I think the emotional piece, um, that's the piece that. Sadly, a lot of people don't reach out during the process um, in the way that um, I I wish that they could because I think getting professional support for that is not shameful, but there's that stigma of that. 
which adds to more already feelings of those guilt and shame stuff. So, like, that piece is is big and daunting. And my advice to anyone is if you're feeling overwhelmed, get help. Talk to somebody. Go to a group. Um, Fertility clinics have gotten really, like, hugely better at that um, now. They have Mm -hmm. supports and groups and stuff. Um, Or there's private counselors as well. Um, And then... So is that um, so? Um, so what? Ha- what would you say? Like, I mean, what are some of the barriers for people um, that are are struggling with fertility and the entire, you know, from soup to nuts, entire par- um, process? What are some of the benefits, or what are some of the things that get in the way? Let's start there. Um, from from your perspective, for them to reach out. I think some of it is the shame involved and the guilt. And the mm-hmm. um, and I think that's definitely an area to to explore. But I think there's also another side to it. It's money. Um, you can't like I remember like looking into it at one point, and I was like, I can't even afford that. Right. Um, so funding money is a problem. Like, and you know, you can't pay that much money every week when you're already being strapped for thousands of dollars every month for medical stuff. Right. Right. Um, there's that piece. Um, the other piece could be, um, I think it's, it's a hard thing to talk about. Yeah. It's a hard thing to talk about. I think there was something that flashed before my mind and now I can't think of it. It was like, you don't, it's like how I I remember, okay, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to out myself here for one second. I remember somebody telling me, why don't you go to counseling? And I remember uh-huh. saying to them, why? So they can tell me I can't have children. Oh, yeah. So right. it was almost like I already knew the worst, and I didn't know. Of course, that was before I even knew what counseling was. So we'll, we'll right. move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> so. That's like very much a grief reaction right there. Like you sound angry, right? So you're, it's that yeah. anger part of grief where like, no. Um, yeah, if this yeah. wasn't happening. I wouldn't have to go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there was that. Yeah. That whole part. Um, It's, it's, it is hard. And I think like, I do think it's important that, and I, like I said, I think like, I know at least the local fertility center here has gotten a lot better at making sure that some of these things are out there and there's, there's things, things in writing and groups and different relaxation techniques for people to be able to partake in when they're going through this. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think one of the things that I'm, that I'm hearing is that a barrier for you was that it just made it that much more like real and, and that you yeah. went, like one of the reasons that you didn't do it at that time was because if you did, um, that would have, you felt even if from a professional that you wouldn't have been understood because if they're just going to tell you, you know, um, that, yeah. that you're not going to be, you know, well, yeah, that's the deal. You're not going to be able to have a, a child biologically. Um, that wouldn't have, obviously wouldn't have worked for you. That would have been awesome. No, it wouldn't have helped me. And also, I think the other piece to that is um, there's the, wait, I lost it again. Um, you said <laughs> the thing about um, the realization. For yeah. me, that realization 
I mean, it took me 11 years to make that statement that, yes, I am infertile. I couldn't even say the word prior to that. So I think some people could get trapped in that not wanting to admit that this is a really thing. And it was like, no, I'm going to be positive, and I'm just going to keep going like the Energizer Bunny. And then finally, um, you know, the batteries died. (laughs) You know, we had had to get help. Right, right. So what changed once once you um, were said like okay we need to do something different here because it does sound like um, you know I, and I want to make sure uh, that we really highlight this that it does it affects every ounce of your being and um, you know I can kind of just like I'm thinking about you know just when people are trying to deal with anything that's um, challenging is is that you know it 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 um, kind of haunts you it has that feeling where like you know uh you're going to the mailbox and you're thinking about it you're taking a shower and you're thinking about it you're you know trying to be present in a meeting or on a phone call and you know like you just don't get um relief from it so um what what was it that you know finally helped you begin to um i guess i don't know if it's acceptance the right word um i'm not even sure if that's the right word yeah what i mean you mean after the process when I finally was able to explore it and admit and get help? I mean, yeah. initially it was like, we can't do this anymore. My husband became worried about my health. Okay. Uh, he's like, I'd rather have you than have not have you. So, yeah. you know, that was the first time that I was like, oh, okay. So I think that was the beginning of the beginning um, for me. And I say beginning, not end, because the beginning was fabulous and I couldn't trade it. Right. Um, so I think what shifted, so, and I didn't know this then, and I didn't know this until, until I started to work with this, um, is that over time as I processed this and admitted to myself and whatever and went, I actually went to counseling, what ended up mm-hmm. shifting was I learned to redefine who I was. Oh, okay. So that, so there's a lot in, so I, I just want to like tease that out too, because it, embedded in that is there's a loss there too, because you had defined yourself one way, and now you're going to have to revise that way of defining yourself. Exactly, and for couples going through that, who succeed, it might look differently for mm-hmm. couples who, you know, whatever. So, and and, and I, I loosely define success because I have succeeded, just not right. in the biological way. Um, right. And I don't, I don't like to use that word, but it came out anyway. <laughs> so um, what, <laughs> what I mean is like, so when you have to redefine who you are, you have to go and you have to look at every part of your life. And that takes time and it takes patience yeah. and it takes a skilled professional to help you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think. I mean, I'm sure you can do it without all of that, but um, I think, like, without a professional, but I think that for for what was right for me was was getting help myself in in exploring that and finding a new way of looking at how I could create this life that I envisioned. Yeah, yeah. And so one of those things, um, um, even recently for you, has been, um, well, one that I, like, feeling brave enough, and I, I think that that's an important word, um, to come and talk about this here with me, and and, and I think it's amazing because um, that 
it, it is something that so many people suffer with, including yourself in private. And so you're putting yourself out there in that way. But you've also started a blog. Can you um, tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, I started a blog because I want to be able to help people who help people to understand what they're going through because I think mm-hmm. in that time frame I didn't know what I was going through there <laughs> right. was like so much confusion I was like I don't even know what's happening I'm living day to day just trying to get through it you know right. um and I feel like there's there's so much that if I can lay it like if I can put it in writing or put it in words so maybe just even one thing you might identify with like to normalize it because I think that's a big part of it because it's so unspoken and people don't talk yeah. about it. Like all grief, I'm not going to lie, all grief is that way. And I've certainly stumbled my way through going to someone's calling hours and said sure. the wrong thing, I'm sure, because yeah. it's not easy for any of us. Right, um, right. Um, but I think like having this blog, it's embracinghealing.com because I don't yeah. want to embrace the loss. I want to embrace the healing part of it all. Um, Mm -hmm. because you can, um, my thought is like, and it's taken me many years to get here, but I think, and I think that it happens not just with this type of loss, but with, with many losses is that grief over time feels less heavy, less often. Yeah. And it's almost in, in, I don't know, tell me what you think, but it's almost like can be a part of you that you can nurture and care about rather than defining all of you. Yeah. So like, I mean, I I just think, and we have about a minute left to speak about this, which is obviously not enough time, Um, but but there's a difference between um, being defined by it and, and learning, you know, from it. And then the other thing I think of is is the difference between surviving, you know, um, the, fertility challenges and thriving from fertility challenges. And I think um, that's not like a one and done thing from what I'm taking from what you're saying. That is like you actually have to, that has to be an active pursuit to move from surviving to thriving. Absolutely. And it does have an impact in your parenting, in your own children, um, your children by either um, biological or adopted children, it does impact that part of your life. Maybe we so, can talk about that next time. Would you come back? I think back so. I think that would, yeah, absolutely, because I think that there's definitely some good stuff for parents to hear there that, that, that might be helpful. Well, that's up next. Thank you so much, Penny. Thank you, and um, thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.